Aloha, Shervin here, and welcome to the waking hour. This is our moment in time to wake the fake up from the illusions that are holding us back from living in our full power. As Alvin Toffler said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot unlearn the many lies that they have been conditioned to believe and seek out the hidden knowledge that they have been conditioned to reject. I invite you all on a journey of self-exploration where together we unlock the keys to living the best life ever. All right, long overdue, highly anticipated. This is um, this is kind of like a dream come true for me in so many ways because I've been working with uh, my next guest for the last three and a half, four years. We are soul brothers. We're connected by spirit. Our bloodlines are connected in so many ways. He's one of the most beautiful souls that I know inside and out. Honored to call him a friend and brother. And uh, here we are. Unwake the fake up, another world number one athlete, Mr. Novak Djokovic. Welcome to the show. How are you, brother? Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm great. Um, you know, I when I received an invitation to be part of your show, I was uh, I was stoked. I was thrilled. We always have some some great conversations. So uh, can't wait to start. I'll try not to get us in trouble this time, or. You try not to get me in trouble. Um, you know, it's uh, it's interesting times out there, to say the least. Yeah. And, um, you know, the way I'm looking at everything is this is kind of the great reset in so many ways. We've been going so fast for the last hundred years, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And all of a sudden there's a reset and everyone has to kind of step back for a second and evaluate their life, evaluate their family and friends, evaluate their health and their position in this world. That's something that you'd have to, you had to do as well. And being, you know, world number one athlete, being uh, at the height of your career, what has that been like for you? Well, I think I was, I was beautifully said. I, I think, um, obviously, <laughs> you know, people dying around the world and, 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 and they world experiencing crisis uh is is not something that that we like to see and obviously i i um empathize with with all the people that are struggling losing their jobs losing homes separating from their families separated from their families etc it's just so much going on in the last 12 months and and uh it's it's hard to comprehend really what what's what's you know what's behind all of this and i think there's a lot of confusion uh, but in the end of the day, I think if we see things from a bit of a larger perspective, um, it, it, you know, to some extent, this is uh, a positive experience because it um, forces all of us to, um, you know, to, to look inwards and to really understand how we want to take our lives forward and, and not just our, our, ourselves, um, but also our closest environment uh our families our communities our our countries and and just how we want to treat nature and 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 how we you know understand what really truly matters because what i find 
always very intriguing is when you speak with people about what really is the most important thing in life. They say it's um, health and family um, and happiness. But, uh, you know, realistically, how many people really in this planet live truly to those values um, that, they, that they want to represent? They don't, you know, I don't think that majority really is healthy and is really truly happy and 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 i think that should um, make us wonder and it should concern us a little bit and it should you know we should all ask ourselves some big questions and you know what's going on and how we reset ourselves that's the right word that you use i think the reset is coming whether we like it or not and i think that the new wave of consciousness is is already here and it's just depends really how we how we go about it whether we embrace it whether we accept it whether we you know uh live in denial and and just uh refuse to to really and be ignorant of of the change that is obviously happening from inside out and from outside in you know both ways i think so um speaking about my own experience uh, at the start of this um, craziness back in back in March 2020 um, I, I was actually in states I was I was very close to you uh, I was in LA you were in San Diego you remember we were we talking were, about yeah I was on my way to meet you out into the desert you were going to come down to Orange County to Laguna Beach we had the whole thing planned and then boom all of a sudden yeah. you're in an uh, emergency car heading towards the airport Right? Exactly. Is that what happened? Exactly. It was like literally the day before you were supposed to fly to the desert and I was supposed to drive to the desert. I mean, it was, you know, it was very strange. I mean, I, I, at the time when, when I was in, in LA, I was preparing for one of the biggest tournaments, tennis tournaments in the world, Indian Wells. You know, I love that tournament, love being there. Uh, and it draws so much, you know, excitement and crowds and, and fans and, and then, you know, we start hearing about this virus, you know, in, in, in China, whatever, the, the end of 2019. But no one really thought that it's going to take the world by storm. And uh, next thing you know, the world is, is you know, is locking down and, and we have to go back home and try to find a way to our families and at least be, be with our close ones. So that's what I've done. And I, I, I flew like literally one of the, the last planes going back from, from West Coast to, to Europe before a full lockdown. And, um, and then I spent, uh, I spent three months in, in Spain, actually, with, um, with my wife, with my children. And, um, and it was interesting because at, at first I did feel disturbed, I must say. I, did feel, I didn't feel um, calm mentally in the first uh, 10, 14 days. Because I was in, a, I was, I started off the season. I didn't lose a match. I won, you know, three tournaments. I was on a roll. I was feeling so confident. And as a professional athlete, once you ride that wave, you don't want to let it let it go. And and I, I I felt really good about myself, and you know, mentally, physically as well. I was motivated. I remember and then, that. And I, then I I remember you were in a complete flow state at that time. And, yes. And we we saw it all. I mean, it was like nonstop. And then to have that immediate pattern interruption, like never before, mm -hmm. um, must have been tough. Please explain more what you were feeling at that time while you were in Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was feeling happy that I came back home and I was, you know, close to my kids and my wife. And and then, and then, you know, I, I was I was, you know, 
so to say, more comfortable from inside, knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm with them, that whatever is happening, that I'll be with them. Um, but then, then the other side of me, you know, the professional pl tennis player in me was like, okay, what's, what's going on? When is this going to stop? Like, how am I going to, how am I going to practice? How am I, when am I going to play my next match? Uh, how is this going to affect my, my current state? You know, I, I, I did go through a lot of different, uh, patterns of thinking, even though I do, you know, consider that I, myself, someone that, that works hard as well mentally and emotionally as much as I work physically. And I, I, I put a lot of hours into uh, trying to, to find that flow state and trying to always, uh, you know, accept and embrace all the emotions that are happening inside of me and learning about myself, finding, finding what works for me the best, I think, over the last 10, 15 years. And, you know, I kind of managed to find that formula, but that formula is constantly changing. And there's that, there, there's maybe I, I, I'll, I'll make just a little comment that is related to this, maybe a little bit off topic, but is related to, to the psychology of things, especially in sports, is I find um, this narrative that goes around that if, an, um, if for an athlete, if you find the right mental formula and, and, and the level of confidence that you are fine, that, that you're going to stay there, everything's going to work out well, you're going to have the success, you're going to realize your dreams. I, I, I don't fully agree with that. I think it's great that, that everyone has a tendency, not just in sports, but in life in general, but let's take sports in this, in this regard, that has a tendency to improve, to get better, to understand, you know, your yourself as a as a as a as an athlete physically but as a human being and 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 what um consists in your life and and how everything that you are surrounded with whether you're doing the people that that have an influence on you affect uh, affect your performance later on i mean especially in individual sports and i think it's great that you have the tendency to go in this direction but I don't believe in this kind of uh, statement or philosophy that once you get there, that you stay there. You right. don't stay there. Right, because everything. I mean, at least everything's my, evolving. I can, yeah, everything. Exactly. Everything's I, I can speak on my own behalf. I mean, I, I, I truly think that um, that every single day you get challenged, and 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 I I've experienced that tens of thousands of times in my in my career where I've. I feel and I know that I've done everything in my power in order to put myself in, a, in the right state of mind, body and soul to get on the court and be able to excel and, and perform my best. And, and I know that I have the experience that gives me confidence to know how to cope with the certain pressures and situations on the tennis court. And I still experience something that I probably experienced every single time from the first professional match, which is, you know, these jitters, this, this, um, you know, these butterflies in stomach that excite me, but at the same time, paralyze me, mm. you know, and, and I have, I have fear. Everyone does have fear. And I don't, I think that there's this, this conception of like, you know, you got to live fearless, you know, uh, fear should not exist. There is no room for fear. Uh, it's okay. It's fine. Yes, we all we all are heading in this direction. We all want to live fearless, absolutely. 
but I, I don't believe that um, once you reach the state where you have no fear, that you never experience fear anymore. I just, I don't, I don't agree with that. I, 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 I at least in my own case, I, I had, I had fear, you know, when I came back from the states, or like, how, how am I going to play post, uh, whatever this is when this, when this is finished with this virus? How am I um, going to, you know, balance? uh myself and, and you know at, at home with a family and, and my own professional needs you know how is my team going to contribute to me or not contribute to me you know face to face or not i mean what's going on with the world as anybody else i did have my insecurities especially at the beginning in the first couple of weeks and then and then i i just um you know i did i did my work and i just kind of mentally embraced and accepted the fact that we are living this reality that that whatever is this reality is shaping into and i just accepted it and i went with a, with, with with the flow in a way and then for the next couple of months i was you know enjoying my time at home uh i, I just want to say one thing yeah. I, I really appreciate the fact that you're being so open and so candid in today's you know athletes in today's celebrity world you, you hit it right on the nail. It's about being fearless. It's about being overly confident. There's a machismo energy, energy to it. You can't show yeah. any signs of weakness. That's actually how we've been indoctrinated as the, as the false masculine in my belief in the modern world. You know, we've, we've, we haven't been given the tools to be able to access our feelings and our emotions. So that's why you have a lot of people that are so bottled up and that's where, you know, that's at the cornerstone of disease. We now know that. You know, a lot of the root diseases are caused from stored trauma. What you're saying right now, and if you're listening to us and listening to exactly what Novak is saying, he's basically breaking down that even as a top-ranked number one world athlete who's playing an individual sport, there's still so many variables to this life that he has to flow with and has to engage with. And it's a total mental approach along with mind, body, and soul. It's the, the mentality of being able to access your inner strength through the dynamic of life, through the dynamic of relationships, through the dynamic of a crazy, this is a crazy material world. We're flying around in jets. We're meeting people left and right. You're at events here and there. You got to do all these interviews. You got to do all these things. And then at the same time, you have a family to take care of and you're the back, you're the face of a country. That's a lot of pressure, right? And, and I'm, I'm so glad you're, you're talking about this because I wanted to ask you, what, what is it like to be Novak Djokovic, like what is that all about? Well, you you just uh, if you don't mind me reflecting on pressure because that you you mentioned is a lot of pressure. I think there is a uh, there is obviously you know hundreds of different kinds of pressures and and I, I you know I can't uh, sit here and talk about you know my pressure being the biggest pressure uh, uh when there are people literally starving to death and uh i i come from a country that you know um like persia like iran has gone through a lot of difficulties has a very rich history very rich tradition um and culture uh but it it, it just especially in the recent three decades it has went through three different wars and and just uh a lot of hardship, uh, just a lot of suffering, um, a lot of karma, blood and tears. Yeah. And uh, I, if I have not experienced it myself and being in line at uh, 5.45 a.m. and waiting for a piece of bread 
to to share with my family for for that day. Uh, I probably would not be able to speak about this so I don't know um, so intrinsically, so truthfully, so understandably. I mean, I I was there. I, I understand what it feels like to literally have at that time. At one point, our family had ten Deutschmarks, which was you know equivalent to ten dollars right now. Ten dollars on the table. That's what our. I still remember that scene when my father took out ten bucks and put it on the table and said, "Okay, this is all we got. This wow. is all we got. We got ourselves, and we got this from whatever material exchange units that we use as money that we value. And um, with this money, we got to we got to find a way to survive. So, um, how old were so, you? Yeah, we how were old were you? In line. How old were Sorry? you? How old were you at that point? At that point, I was, it was, it was nineties, mid nineties. Um, so I, I, I probably wasn't, I was probably around 10, maybe a bit less than 10 years old. I was uh, probably eight, eight, nine years old. And my, I have two younger brothers. Um, my youngest brother, he's eight years younger than me. So he was like, he was a baby, literally uh, like a, a year old. And and my uh, my middle brother, he was he was like five. I, I think and, it's so uh, good. I want I want you to tell this story, but I just want to reflect. Most yeah. people think that you know golfers or tennis players they come from a, a life of privilege because it's a club sport. You play it in a club. Yeah. You play it in fancy. But most people probably don't know your story. And I'm so glad you're bringing this up to give some perspective. I also just want to quickly add whatever trauma someone's facing. I think it's a disservice for us to compare other traumas. Trauma is trauma. So if one person's dealing with some kind of trauma, yeah. it doesn't mean that you have to negate yours because you're living a different lifestyle right now. That is so key. If you're listening to this, you don't have to compare yourself to everyone else or someone who's you know walking on the streets or anything like that. Your trauma is significant to you. So don't push it away. Don't drown it out. This is a key aspect to preparing yourself to move forward in life. Please continue, Novak. That's that's wonderfully said, Shervin. I think that's you know so important that people <clears throat> don't live in denial or neglect that their own traumas and their own emotions just because they were maybe born in a more wealth in a wealthier family and someone else constantly puts blame on them that they cannot speak about their own emotions and traumas just because they were more fortunate in a materialistic world. But yeah, at exactly. the end of the day, I mean, we, you and I, and I, I know there's so many people around the world that we don't, we don't think material world is, is the priority is what this whole human experience is. So we live, you know, with, with our souls, with our spirits. And that's why, you know, I, I, I personally also uh, resonate with that. And I know that this is something that is far more important than, you know, how much money cars or houses I have. So, exactly. um, you know, speaking about that experience uh, back in the days, you know, that, that actually gave me, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think a great appreciation for whatever was coming up later on in my life. So I, I sit here talking to you and I always try to, you know, verbalize this and, and speak about this kind of past experiences for me because by doing that, I not only share it with people uh, with a great sense of, of heart, but also with um, a great reminder of, you know, um, what I've been through and what, you know, what is, what life can really be, you know, if we 
if we see it from a materialistic perspective and point of view, life can change in a day, right? I mean, if you rely completely on the wealth, quote unquote wealth that you have, um, and, and, and something can change, whatever, economies, financial system can collapse, you lose everything, and then you also lose yourself because you are fully reliant on, on what you have in the material world, which I constantly try to remind myself as I experience today uh, wonderful abundance of, of wealth in a material way and, and success and everything that tennis, tennis world and tennis success has brought to me over the years. I try to remind myself when I'm at the top of how you know, important is to keep on working spiritually, uh, keep on, keep on reminding myself of the true values, uh, in life, because then I'll truly experience the happiness, uh, and intrinsic fulfillment. And, and, uh, one of the main reasons why I, today I I keep on playing tennis uh, at this level, even though I've been fortunate to, to, you know, achieve a lot is, is because I feel uh, tennis for me is a battlefield, uh, not just externally, but internally for me, because I relive some of the old traumas and patterns and, and, and angers and, and anxieties and those kind of emotions that I resent uh, and that I am um, ashamed of, you know, and, and at least I was, I'm not anymore because I learned over the years how to accept. And even though at the moment when I break the racket or swear on the court or scream or do something that I'm not proud of because I know there's, you know, first of all, my children watching and, and a lot of, you know, kids around the world. But then in the very next moment, how I react to that is to me is a key. And this is where I feel all that work that I, that I put in to be honest, over the years, is, is paying back, where my reaction to that is not putting myself down, but rather accepting and loving myself and saying, it's fine, I forgive you, and, and you move on. And that's it, because I'm not afraid to say, you know, I'm flawed. I'm a flawed human being. I have my mistakes and my errors and my trials and tribulations, and, um, and it's fine. I go, I go out naked so to say, uh, out in public and, and, and say and do what I feel. And I do get, I, I do get slammed in the media for that. I keep on, keep on getting slammed and my, this my is, agent lost his hair because yeah, of that. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I still, this is, <laughs> I this still is am pure, true to myself. This so is pure gold. This right here, this is, this is everything. This is the fabric of our reality. This is the ether. Everything you just said are actual answers to questions that I had for you that I really wanted people to hear. So you're out there, you're reliving trauma on the court because the court brings you to such highs and such lows and you're embodying your truth in, in on the court for better, for worse. Now what, what we have to understand is that tennis is a gentleman's sport, right? Gentleman's sport, whatever they, whatever they call it. You go to the yeah. M- you go to look at the NBA. You look at the NFL. You look at a lot of these American sports. These guys are cursing, screaming at each other, trying to kill each other, right? It's a it's a war, and what you're doing, and, and that and that's just that's part of the process of these sports because we're talking about high intensity. Now, yes, for you to perform at your best, you have to go into that madman level. You have to go into that 
berserkerness, right? Because it's a this is one on one. This is almost to the death out there, right? Mm. And and so my thing is is that I love how you articulated the fact that that's your that's your battleground. That's when you go into warrior mode, and it's after the fact that the way that you're you're able to react to those moments. And I want to be real here. I think you should be able to display energetically however you need to. What you're doing out there, you're putting your life on the line, you're putting your body on the line, you're putting everything on the line. This is serious stuff here. And for you to have to limit that in any way is such a disservice to yourself and a disservice to the game of tennis, hands down in my opinion. I think that's really the the what drives the you know people to watch and to embody sports. Why do people watch sports? They watch sports because they're reliving their lives. They're reliving the experience and they can psychically put themselves into the players' minds and hearts and feel into what they're feeling. If you were just a robot out there with no emotion, you didn't care. First of all, you wouldn't even be at the level that you're at. Second of all, there'd be nothing to talk about. There'd be nothing to learn. There'd be nothing to experience. So I love the way that you articulated that. And I love also how you're able to shift after the fact and be able to pivot yourself to really create balance in your life and look at yourself in the mirror. And you're the one that has to take, you know, you're the one that has to look yourself in the mirror every night. You're the one that puts yourself to bed and, and feel good about yourself. So I, I just want to commend you on that. I thought that was absolutely incredible. And, to, and, and I really just experienced and learned a lot. I know that tennis is a mental game. And so my, my question is, do you feel as mentally strong now that you, than you felt, 50, let's say, 15 years ago at the beginning of your career? Uh, it's a good question. I just I feel uh, that every uh, phase of my life and every phase of my career uh, is different. And I, I don't feel that I'm mentally stronger today than I was 15 years ago because it's incomplete. It's not, not comparable, to be honest, because I just feel there is a mental strength for every age, every phase of your life that you're experiencing. There is a phase that you are mentally experiencing when you're a teenager, when you're out there, you know, fighting your own demons and wanting to experience life, to be free, to be rebellious. And, um, and that's all you care about. Then, you know, you're, you're going against everyone. You don't want to listen to your parents, to anybody. Right. Yeah. Because you, you just that that's that's the biologically what you are experiencing. And that's and that's fine. And then 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 there is the phase when you, you know, um, say, you know, 15 years later, uh, 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 accomplish yourself and and become a father and, and a husband. I'm, I'm a father of of two angels. Um, and and I uh, I have a totally different frame of mind and 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 state of, of awareness more than strength i would say you know because i think there is a quite a distinct difference between uh, awareness consciousness and mental strength you know mental strength is something that helps you um i would say on a day-to-day things like uh when the the, the wake-up alarm rings and you're like oh i just want to get another hour of sleep but then you're like mentally strong to put yourself up from the bed because you know that that's good for you. You have to be disciplined. You've got to do that, right? You get on with your day. Okay, that's mental strength. Right. Mental strength is also 
what helps you, I think, for helps me as a tennis player deal with a specific situation on the court where 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 it's uh, uh, you know the the result is even. I'm facing a break point and I have a second serve, you know, and I feel all the pressure in the world, and I just managed to somehow you know derive strength from that experience and that self-belief and the calmness and being the moment and just play the right shots at the right time and it doesn't happen all the time guys i mean this is something that again going back to the beginning of our conversation what is the that you know the the, the general narrative and i feel like it has a, it's been a, a bit of a misconception about this mentally strong unbreakable athletes I mean, Tom Brady, he just reached the Super Bowl. He's 43 years old. I mean, he's someone that is, I mean, really inspiring athletes and, and showing that at his age, you know, you can still play on the highest possible level. So we were right in the middle of talking about how, um, you know, athletes have, you know, and I, I just want to jump in and say that you're talking, I asked you a question. Do you believe your mental strength is stronger today than it was earlier in your career or vice versa? And I loved how you put, put that so cleanly. We live in cycles. Our lifespan is cycles. There's seasons to everything. We evolve as a, as a human being. Life brings so many different emotions all the time. We go from being, you know, a fighting young athlete that we want to explode on the scene. And we got that, we got that, you know, rah, rah, rah energy. And then that evolves and we get broken down and then we meet our life partner and then we have family stuff and all these things. And then all these other beautiful aspects of life start to show up and our interests start to spread out. We're dynamic beings. Athletes are dynamic beings as well. I know that because they're at the top of the game, you might consider them that that's all they do. That's all they think, but they're just like us. They have to sleep. They have to eat. They have to make tough decisions. They have emotions you know, they're human being, they're not just human doing. And so I loved how you expressed that. That was a, that was a beautiful way and a good perspective for people to have. Now let's talk a little bit about you. And, and we're yeah. so, 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 sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to kind of jump in here and talk about vulnerability, you know, because we are vulnerable as well. You know, I think again, uh, the sports world is such where it's, where the athletes are presented as fearless, Warriors that, you know, absolutely, you know, zero emotions, uh, like no room for tears, no room for, you know, uh, you know, expressing yourself and, and your, you know, the, the blocks that you have, maybe emotional or mental blocks in public, because then you're considered weak and, uh, you know, there are no, there's no room uh, at the top le sports level for, for weak athletes. So um, I, I think, I think uh, athletes started to, to, to realize that misconception, I feel like, and then start to go out. I mean, of course, there's still, I feel like majority of the crowd out there in the sports world is still, you know, thinking and behaving and acting in this kind of uh, perception of, you know, fearless, you know, hungry warriors. But uh, and and of course you got to have that. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying it's black or white, and it doesn't need to be. You know, even though the society, you know, whether it's sports or anything in life, you can see the the, the you know the the, the duality. Yeah, duality. So much, you know, yeah. it's like 
exactly like you gotta or you gotta be your left or right or whatever you know you, you, why do you have to be anything yeah you know what i mean you are yourself and 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 you know as 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 different that we are we are also very connected because we come from one source right so so i believe that we experience and the reason why people watch sports as you were beautifully reflecting on on, on a, a moment ago is because they can identify themselves in their own lives and struggles with what athletes are going through but also they feel that when they support them the success that the athlete an individual athlete or a team uh, um, uh, or team that they're supporting is experiencing, they're exp they're, they feel like they're part of their success themselves. So they feel better about themselves in their life because of that. So, so I feel like there's this connection that we, we tend to forget about. Um, and, and we, but at the same time, then when, I'm sorry about my language, but when shit hits the fan, then we, 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 put, uh, we put the responsibility and the blame on someone else. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You see the, the contradiction here. Yeah. You know, we like to relate to someone when everything is going all right, when there's success. But then we are also very quick to judge uh, someone else for our own failure. And uh, we are also quick to judge someone else's failure so that we also feel better about our own failure in life. Yeah. So um, this is so a that's cultural something thing. That I've been kind of. Yeah, this Sorry? is a, this is a systemic cultural issue that we have in today's modern mechanistic world. They want to praise, praise, praise. And the moment you do something wrong, they jump down your throat. And you're right. It's a dualistic, complex mentality. There is no in between. There is no balance. But it seems that you operate with that beautiful dynamic. And I'm I'm speaking to you as an interviewer, but I know you. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you this way is because I want other people to see who you truly are. I know all this about you. So everyone listening, I can tell you this exact same thing in detail on the kind of operational mentality that Novak brings to the table in terms of balance and in terms of being so open with everything inside of him. What advantages do you think you have? Because of this, is it, is it allowing you to operate so much more freer and with so much more balance and really tap into your masculinity with, with, with love and reverence for self as opposed to fear, pain, and contraction? Do you feel so much more expansive in your body? Do you feel better in your holistic approach to life because of this? Well, I think you just explained everything uh, in, 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 in a very uh, intelligent way. But I, I've, I, I think uh, what I, I, I can add to that is in a very simple way of putting it is I just release myself from this huge burden and weight from my back. I mean, I feel like I feel I feel free when I accept and I choose life of acceptance and not denial and and i feel that that liberates me not just on the tennis court i'm just talking in general and in, in life uh being able to accept that you made a mistake and 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 with yourself first and also if you uh, offended someone that is close to you or whoever and apologizing and saying hey you know uh listen i am a human being as as you are I, I I did some I did something wrong. I, I do 
I do apologize and I sincerely am sorry for this. And I, I hope that I can draw um, <clears throat> a lesson from this and that I can learn something about myself. And I embrace my vulnerability, I embrace my flaws, and I want to use them as a tool to become a better, uh, stronger, more aware human being in every next step or next moment of my life. And that's probably uh, the, the biggest uh, wisdom and secret of life that I personally have discovered because everything else flaws them. Everything else sets in place, is set in place when I feel liberated from my own prison mental prison and my own demons that are constantly in my mind, you know, repeating, you know, you did this wrong, you're not good enough, you're this, you're that, he, you know, he's trying to hurt you, she's, she's doing that because she, she doesn't like you because she wants to put you down. Whatever it is, we all, we all experience that. I still don't know a human being that doesn't have those little voices that you can call demons, ego, whatever you want to call them, inside of your head that keeps keep on repeating some of the things and, and drawing you into a place where you just feel depressed and you feel like the, the, the life vital force energy is drawn from you. Now, we, we, we don't need to get into that. Why is that a case? Sure. And who benefits from that energy? But but I just feel this is a reality. And and, and in the end of the day, once you, I feel like, once you identify that, once you understand and make it, make it, make it, uh, uh, you know, alive, meaning it's there and you identify it, you embrace it and you say, okay, it's part of me, fine, okay, but I am going, I'm going to choose to see that I have the tools to lead my life the way I want to lead my life. And it's not in it's not in, in politicians' hands, it's not in government's hands, it's not in anybody else's hands. It's in mine. Yeah. My life is my life. And and then, you know, I I I choose how I want to live my life. And the decisions that I make, I take a full responsibility for them. And that's something that, you know, a responsible, mature uh, human being would say, but not many would that or them of them would do. To be honest, right. I don't. I don't see much of a follow up. Right. So, in the, in, when 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 you see people following up, and actually when they 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 do as they say, right? Uh, and then then those examples are really uh, great examples, inspiring examples, and people that you want to look up to, and people that you know can do say uh, show things that you can use in your own life, and 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 you know and be better. I thought I think that's exactly what it means to be a role model, you know, because a role model shows you all of them as opposed to just one side and to be able to articulate it, experience it, um, operate with an energy that's so honest and so pure that people can recognize. Not only does it call everyone else higher, but it calls yourself higher. And I find that to be one of the most powerful tools we have in sports today they always talk about who's the best role model. You got to do this to be a good role model. I think the most 
the, the purest role model is the one that's completely authentic in their approach and showing all sides of themselves so everyone can experience that and learn from that. And that's something you do so well. And what I've noticed is I got a lot of Serbian people now part of uh, our movement. And that's, that's the main thing they talk about when, when they bring you up to me is that how authentic you are and how honest you are with your emotions. Now, is this something that you believe was part of your incarnation as Novak Djokovic, or was this something that developed over time? Did someone teach you this approach? When you and I met four years ago, you were already operating with this frequency. Um, that's how we probably attracted each other into each other's life. So I, I, where did this come from, this, this approach to life, this spiritual aspect? Well, I feel like we all come to this life with some predetermined missions and goals i feel like that our soul chooses to do um so I, I i do feel that part of it is there but also part of it is from my upbringing my childhood and uh you know obviously my my parents you know uh particularly my father is very expressive you know and he he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't hold anything <laughs> in himself like as soon as it comes whether it's good or bad he just expresses it and uh, i think that uh, i i um, drew a lot of my own emotional uh behavior and expression expressionalism so to say from him and uh, because i saw that in in you know in my house and 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 uh, the way i you know he brought me up and um I, I don't say, I, you know, look, uh, it, it's not always great and it's not always bad. It is the way it is, you know, and I, I love my father. I love my parents. They, uh, uh, they, they, I mean, the amount of, the amount of sacrifice that they made when uh, uh, I was young and my brothers for us to live the life that we live at the moment is just uh, unprecedented. It's just incredible. So I, I, I am eternally grateful to to both of them for the incredible energy sacrifice support that they gave to me and my brothers uh and now and forever um and uh, and i feel that uh, i as a as a soul have uh, uh purposely chose uh my parents <laughs> and i wanted to uh, to be in that family and i wanted to have that kind of upbringing and uh, and i i'm grateful for that because uh you know, it wasn't always the case where, you know, that I was thinking in, in, in the way that I'm articulating right now. I, I you know, I, I resented them at times and I, 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 you know, I was not feeling like like that's, you know, the best environment for me to grow up in. And, and you know, and that those are the phases, you yeah. know, those are the phases of life that, that one uh, human being is, is experiencing. And I have absolutely no fear right now and no problem to share this with you and, and with people who are, who are watching and listening and with anybody because there is this is the truth this is what I've, i'm experiencing and i have no problem to say that um you know i at times i didn't like you know uh you know the way my father behaved towards me or towards you know my life and 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 there are times when i when i did, couldn't couldn't imagine you know, and couldn't be more grateful for the things that he has done for me in order to play tennis and, and live my dreams. So, 
and this is and this is all part of the life and i feel like in the end of the day we are here to learn to grow to experience to accomplish the mission and the vision that we have pre determined and set up for ourselves as souls coming into this life but in order to accomplish that we have to understand what that is you know first of all because like i mean i feel like you know a lot of times we all are in this uh fog of confusion and we lose our compass and we don't know who we are where we are why are we here how are we going to go about our lives in order to achieve whatever we need to achieve and then obviously society draws us to the material side of life and that's why we get drawn into all this material um achievements and goals and and when we achieve we don't feel that we are really fulfilled and happy we feel like it's 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 only a temporary fix yeah so to say um and then but once we turn to to more intrinsic spiritual uh journey uh, and 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 we we connect to to our heart intelligence and to the love that is the strongest emotion in the universe then we understand that everything we do materially and externally makes more sense and then we feel ourselves more complete yeah i'm i'm with you on all that you know obviously you and i have the same belief systems across the board um you know identifying yourself in terms of materialism is only short-lived and will never allow you to reach higher levels of attainment and higher levels of love and be able to develop those inner faculties of empathy and awareness and uh, inner growth. I also love that you brought up that you believe strongly that you chose your parents. So if you're listening right now, that there's a, there's a level of mysticism to that, but there's also a level of mastery, applied mastery that you can take onto your life. If you could just work on the on the mentality of the experience that you chose your parents for better, for worse, to be your guiding light as you came into this world, it will allow you to take a lot of the experience and a lot of that trauma and and move it and navigate it as medicine in your life. And what do I mean by as medicine? As things that you were able to grow with and, and challenges that were designed to, to you know, basically enable you to be the person you are today. And everyone has an intention in this life. Everyone ha- came here with a purpose. And we're in the heightened level of materialism in terms of the the energy that's in this time zone that we are living in today. Before it was monotheism, which was one faith. Then it was polytheism, which is multiple faiths. Now we're in materialism where science has taken over as the new religion. And I think it's just such a dry aspect of looking at life. There's so much more beyond you know, what you can smell, touch, feel, and weigh. And there's so much energy in there. Now, we don't have to go down that deep end because that's a whole nother conversation, but it's good that people can hear these things and these concepts and maybe apply it to their life and free themselves a little bit. This is ultimately the philosophy of freedom and becoming sovereign. So what I'm getting from you, Novak, is that you're operating with full sovereignty in your life and it's working out for you. So let me ask you. What's 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 some of the biggest challenges you've ever faced or one of the biggest challenges you've faced in your career and how'd you overcome that? Well, 
Um, I think on a on a more kind of a superficial level of things, um, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I uh, experienced some huge challenges uh, throughout my career um, <clears throat> where I wanted to leave the tennis, and and just back in 2010 when I lost. And one quarterfinals match of a major, major tournament in Grand Slam in, in Paris in Roland Garros. I, I felt like my my world was falling apart and, and my dreams were shattered and that uh, I, I am not good enough to actually achieve what I wanted to achieve. And uh, I was I was I was sobbing, I was crying in um, the room of my tennis coach and my physiotherapist that were at the time with me on the on the tournament. And I was uh, um, really, I was just really in a bad place. I was suffering emotionally a lot because I, I just felt like I hit the wall and I, I, I can't go any further. So, um, so what, what they've done, I mean, they, they allowed me, they let me cry. They let me liberate all these emotions that I was experiencing. And that, that and I'm so grateful for that because that was such a key moment there where, um, you know, as, as a coach, right, that's what the kind of a, a narrative, again, is presented in the sports world is that a coach has to be someone that uplifts you, someone that, you know, um, shows, you, um, shows you that when you're, when you're weak that you have to be stronger, and it kind of guides you to that state of mind where you need to be in order to perform your best. Um, but in a, in a sense that is maybe not addressing so much your vulnerabilities, I would say, right? But for me, the best coaches of any sports were, were always the ones that really were there for you as human beings, as friends, as shoulder to lean on, to cry on, and, and the, the people who could actually, you know, understand you and allow you and just support you to 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 spill your guts out hold, when you need to spill you. your guts so out hold, right? hold space for you and just keep it keep it exactly keep, exactly keep so that's what i container. experienced and i'm so grateful because at that moment i felt like i was not alone why did you hit that I, wall I feel... what why did you hit that wall what happened did you because have a succession I, I... of losses were you injured was it was there things going on outside of tennis how did you yeah. get to that point it was a combination of things. I mean, different factors. You know, yeah, I was I was also going through some injuries, and 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 uh, you know, uh, I was not uh, achieving uh, what I was intending and or, or expecting myself to achieve. And had you already been? Word, had you already been world number one before that? Were you already at the top? No. Oh, so you hadn't you hadn't been there yet. Okay, okay. No, okay. I did win a Slam. I did win Australian Open back in two thousand eight. And then, and then I was the I was playing semifinals, quarterfinals of majors, and I was I was still number three in the world. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is unbelievable. Still, great success. But I just felt like I, you know, I, I could do so much more, and I could be so much more intense. And and I I felt like the all the the build up and all the expectations around me beginning with myself, obviously, and then from all the closest people in my life and then the tennis world in general was so big that number three was not enough and winning one slam was not enough. 
So, so I felt that uh, just uh, I just had too much weight uh, on my shoulders that I had to bear, and, and it all collapsed in that moment. And then I just uh, I, I really felt for the first time I want to leave tennis, or I want to make uh, a break from tennis, or whatever it is. I don't want to play. And it was probably the first time that I had a, such a strong emotion about it, and I, I never before experienced that. It was always like when when I'm gonna get on the next practice and improve and whatever. But now it was like, okay, I just want to run away from it. I want to change the 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 setting. I want to change this 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 surrounding this environment. I want to run away from people and you were emotionally and just do something tapped. else. And you were emotionally and tapped. Yeah, you were emotionally tapped, and you were exactly. ready to just check out. So then. What happened? How did you pivot from that? What was the, that process like? Well, um, well, then I, when I received that that support, obviously from my from my coach and and from my wife and girlfriend at that time, Yelena and my parents who were there, I um, you know I went back and 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 back home and I just uh, took time off from from tennis. Not not I didn't didn't want to practice for you know, for, for some, some time. And, and I, I wanted to reflect on things and I, I wanted, I wanted that raw, pure love emotion for the sport, the passion to, to drive me again. So, I wanted so it childhood, to surface. I like, wanted it to like childhood energy, like a, like a kid type. Exactly. Energy? Exactly. Or, my, yeah. my inner child, I wanted my inner child to come up and say, Hey, this is what you want to do. And this is what you love to do you know, and, and, and you have passion for it, you know, let's drive, let's, let, let's, uh, derive the motivation from there, from that pure source. And I wanted that to surface and that to, to show up in front of, in front of me, in a way inside of me so that I could grab my racket and start playing again. And, and not, not long after it was quite short time, but I, I, it did come back to me and, and then, but I was, I, I feel like I, the biggest, uh, step for me was, uh, for me to kind of be alone in a, in, in a way and, 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 and have a, a real sense of what that emotion is, whether it's the one that is drawing me to be, because everyone expects me to be back on the court or it's the one where my, the, the little Novak, that inner child speaks to me and says, hey, you know, go, go there and play because it's a game, you know, play, enjoy, grow, develop. And, and, and this is, and this is what showed up. And then, and then after that, actually my, the trajectory of my career went really upwards and, 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 uh, I experienced the best, probably the best season of my life. And like uh, having 43 matches in a row streak, winning streak, uh, you know, winning three out of four slams and playing another final and like being number one for the first time back in 2011. And, uh, within two days, uh, winning Wimbledon, which was my childhood dream, and and becoming number one, and having you know hundred thousand people on the streets in Belgrade, you know, uh, waiting, welcoming me and celebrating with me. I mean, it was it was just one of these 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 moments in life that I'll never forget. That I'll you know always remember with a smile, and and always appreciate because. But but I I learned to. I think at that time I, I really learned to appreciate the journey more than destination, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah. Because it was no, it was always it was always about you know in sports it's always about the destination. It's always about what is your goal, where you know what do you want to do, what do you want to achieve, 
what do you want to realize? And, you know, of course it's important. I, 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 I am all for long-term, short-term goals. But if you don't know how to embrace and enjoy the journey, then every day will be work for you where you feel you, have, you are dragged every day to, to uh, um, um, exert energy rather than, rather than standing up with motivation, with a sense of purpose and being inspired to, and grateful to, to work out, to have a healthy body, to have an opportunity to to grow and improve as a, as an athlete and as a human being. This is the most important aspect to life, in my opinion. People always ask me, Sherbin, how do you do this? How do you get to this level of mastery? How do you get to this level of health? How do you find true happiness? All of that. And I feel like the the way that this matrix is designed, the way that the Gregorian gal- calendar is, where we have January to December, and then we have fifty two weeks, and then we have you know, all the months and then all the weekdays and weekends and all these schedules and tournaments and holidays, it takes the human being out of the present and we lose the intention of every moment and every breath. I mean, we're not even thinking about our breath anymore, right? We're so stuck on what's happening in this alternate future that it takes us out of the element so we can't even enjoy the now. And what you're saying right now really you know, speaks home to me because it's really how I'm trying to live my life every day. And what I've noticed is that my, my years have actually slowed down where it's cliche to hear people say, you know, as you get older in your 20s and 30s, you know, time seems to speed up. Well, it starts to speed up because they're stuck in that rigmarole everyday life that's happening the same thing over and over and they're not even present for the ride. And that's everything. That's where the gold is. And that's uh, honestly, that's probably the, the the reason why you're able to achieve the success that you have is being present. Now, let me ask you, are you able to drop into different archetypes on the tennis court um, because of your ability to, to identify with, you know, your character at such a high level? And what I mean by that is, are you able to go into that child energy and, and find the love which gives you a little bit of jing on the court if you're needing it? Are you able to go into that warrior mode? Are you able to surrender a little bit so this, the cortisol starts to you know, di- diminish in the body with a stress hormone that's causing contraction and probably not allowing you to be your best? Your, your game is about millimeters, right? It's getting a ball within a millimeter. You know, th- th- you're, there's no room for error. All of these little biochemistry elements to life and to the mental experience is so critical. Are you able to, to to tap into those modes at those high high pressure levels? Um, yes, I am, and no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're a dynamic human being. Right. Yes, and you're playing exactly, and you're playing because, tough competition. Exactly. I yeah. can use uh, you know what what we do when we get into trouble. Right. We we have that fight or flight kind of mentality where we're like, okay. I am going to try to use all the previous experiences that I had uh, into this moment and finding a way to get out of this situation or get on top of my opponent. And because it's a, it's a game of chess in a way as well. It is yeah. a dynamic sport. It's very mental, but it's also very physical. It's very emotional. It's very everything. Because tennis is is such a such a complete sport where it's you know it's one on one. There's no contact. But you're, you know, you're hitting that ball very hard with different, <clears throat> with different spin, different, different rotations, 
um, you you know you you have the dimensions of the court where you have to place the ball, but you have to understand and you have to play in a, thinking in advance. If I hit that shot, you know I, I have to calculate how quickly can I come back to the position that where the other guy cannot make a winner and win the point. So I'm playing that shot and I have to finish that shot because if I don't, if I pull my racket five, five millimeters before I'm supposed to finish it, it's going to be a mistake. You're out of position. But at the same time, I got to go back to the starting position where I'm able to take away the time and be in a better, better strategic position than my opponent. So it, it, it is, um, it is a, a game and a sport that, that constantly challenges you on every level. So you have to think, but at the same time, you cannot overthink. Right. You have to find that, that golden balance, that, that fine line where everything flows automatically. When we are in the flow, we don't think. We just, we just do. We just act. We, yeah. just, we are... We are we are there. We are just being in the present moment, as you were elaborating on the, uh, you know, a few moments ago. That's the whole point or whole purpose of our human experience. I think is to be present. And one of the one of the most effective way to be present is through breathing. So that is how I try to uh, um, get myself back in an optimal state of mind and body, you know, through breath work, conscious breathing, whether it's just one or two or three or five or 10 breaths, depending on how much time I have, whether it's closing my eyes and just feeling myself being centered. And uh, you have different techniques, you know, we don't need to go into that now, but just conscious breathing. You know, it's yeah. as simple as that. Most, most people um, are breathing 30, 40, 50 times a minute. You know, it's that fast pace. Yeah. <sighs> when in actuality, when you're in your balance or in your chi, you want to be breathing five, six times a minute, maybe even less than that, like some of the yogis. So you can calm the central nervous system down and then get into your flow state. I, I think I, I, I get the gist of what you're saying is, is that you can definitely overthink so many things in life. So when I when I look at other, I have, a, I have yeah. another thing that I wanted yeah, yeah. to add. Charmaine, yeah, no, sorry. go go. Uh, another another thing that I feel is very helpful to me and that can also translate to anything outside of of tennis, right? And professional sport is also affirmations, right? Because when you think about affirmations or positive uh, thinking, right? It's for 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 people and for myself when I started doing that when someone told me like. You should try to tell yourself, you know, you're good. You're in the right state of mind. You know, try to change the the electrical um, frequency of your brain by repeating the positive things and not just by repeating them, but by feeling them until you until that you start to feel them. You know, you have not done the work, right? So I didn't really understand what that means. So I started to when someone is chanting from the crowd uh, the name of my opponent, I I, I'm hearing my own name. And I really, I, I, I have trained myself to that extent that I'm truly feeling that. And it's not only telling myself that, but I'm feeling that. But I have to train that all the time. 
So whenever I step onto the court, I look at the sky, I express my gratitude for being there. When I step on the court, I touch the court and I make that connection with my heart. And I feel that I'm one with the court. I imagine this huge energetical ray of space that connects the heavens and the court. And now this might sound very, I don't know, uh, mystical or, or something like that to a lot of people, but this is what I truly do and I feel, and I try to make my, even though at times it is, it seems unnatural, artificial, fake. And, and it really is at times really, it, it does feel fake to you, but it, it's actually not. It's just the pattern that you are, uh, you have, um, how can I say, uh, you have absorbed from the society and from your environment and from society or from um, your surrounding a pattern of thinking, pattern of doing, pattern of behaving that if you start to, you know, think of yourself as the soul or energy or start talking about these things that you are complete, you know, lunatic, that you should not think or do or, or behave in this way. And then, of course, that if you grow up in such environment that you are going to feel like this is all fake. What am I doing? Why am I making fool of myself in front of all these people touching the, the, the ground or talking to myself and looking at the sky or, or, or the way I celebrate, you know, drawing the energy from the heavens and then sharing it with everyone, sharing that love and energy. And then of course, everyone thinks it's fake because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit into this, realm that we are experiencing right right so so for me uh, uh for me this is this is what i do and this is what what i feel is very powerful uh and 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 talking about how people can use it in their own lives and why people give up and why i have given up many times in the beginning is because it just doesn't feel that it resonates deeply with you it doesn't because it's just it's something new and in order for you to change the pattern in order for you to change the biochemistry and, and the, 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 the electrical charge of your brain, you need to repeat certain things because we are human beings, we are souls, but we are also in a way mechanical beings because we have to repeat certain things in order for them to become part of us truly, right? In order for us to really use them in a way that we wanna use them. So it's just, it's just a matter of habit. What is your habit? Identify your habit and see if this habit is the good habit or a bad habit. In order to change that habit, you have the power to change. Whatever that habit is, it's just a matter of the energy and the time that you put into that. I love what you're saying. This is literally at the root of my philosophy and what I've learned through understanding epigenetics, which means above the genetic profile. Um, I learned this from Dr. Bruce Lipton, and he broke it down in the biology of belief. There's ways. Yes, I read that book. You yeah, read that book, right? Great. So that so I met I met him through David, um, and really getting to understand how the human brain works and how the subconscious works and how children develop all of these you know um, mental capacities through the third trimester in the mother's womb to age seven when the brain is in theta wave and theta is the imagination wave and the remembrance wave and it's the brain um 
it's the brain level where you mimic and learn everything in your surroundings, just like a child should. And so there is a big part of the population that didn't have access to any of this type of philosophy and any of this type of awareness. So you can get out of that Maya or that illusion of just thinking, you know, in such a linear um, perspective. And I love what you're doing because you're basically training and creating a muscle in your brain and your heart connection to eventually allow you to start really flowing into this type of magic where, you know, Novak's actually listening to a crowd that might be chanting for an opponent for whatever reason. And he can viscerally feel motivated from that because he's allowed to create that channel and that awareness. And we can do that with so many things in life. I mean, they say, you know, keep faking it until you make it. Well, the biology of belief is real. Epigenetics is real. We are not slaves to our genome sequence. We're are we are becoming evolved species through environmental factors. The water we drink, the food we eat, the company we keep around us, our thoughts, our emotions, the way we deal with stress, and the way we choose to live our lives are completely, um, you know, complicit to how we grow and evolve as a human in this world. I, I love I love those analogies. I love how you're you're approaching the court and it's obviously working. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, what's happening on the court for you while you're playing. I mean, are you it, it's I can't imagine. I mean, I used to play, you know, I remember high school sports and playing around in front of, you know, 500 people. I was so motivated when people were watching. It's just I think it's human nature. When I go to the gym and I have like you know, two lifting partners with me, I train way harder because I know that because there's energy around me, there's motivation around me. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep it? How do you keep your shit together when it's Wimbledon, when it's, you know, you're in a tiebreaker with Roger Federer and you're down two games. This is it. Like what are you even in your body at that moment? <laughs> it's a good question. I don't know if I was. All right. Well, I was partly, but partly I wasn't. Um, because I I literally I whatever whatever happened at that at that moment um outside, I I probably would not react um aggressively in good or bad way in any way. Because I was completely calm, composed, present, and comfortable in my own skin. And I was actually comfortable with whatever result in the end. If I win, of course, I was you know, fighting to the very last drop of energy that I had to win. But even if I lost, I would be fine with it. Because I just, I accepted that you know, I, um, you go in the match, especially in the big matches like that, when you play best of five and you play one of the biggest rivals that you have in your life and in, you know, finals of a slam, of course, and all world watching, you know, you, you go through uh, trials and tribulations from the very first point because regardless of how prepared you are, you know, for for that match uh, in terms of your game, in terms of your mind, your body, your emotions, 
you still will experience something for the first time or something new or something that will get you off your tracks and off your rails, right? So uh, the, the very fact of being conscious of that helps me to uh, step into the unknown without being afraid and without being, uh, without expecting myself to deal with that in a certain way. And this, what I'm saying right now, is not working every time. I have to repeat that, and I said that probably five times during our conversation today, but it's not working every time. And that's okay. And you gotta go back and see why that is, wasn't working, and then try to work on yourself in order to get it working more times in the future. But even if it doesn't again, which will definitely be the case because no one is and nothing can be perfect, um, you, you, you just have to accept it and embrace it and say, okay, fine, I forgive myself for not being able to be strong enough to deal with these clutch shots or clutch moments and win the tennis match. Because, you know, people, and I'm really, you know, fortunate that, that I have managed to win more clutch moments and clutch matches in my life than lose. But, you know, people also... I, it's flattering to me that people remember more of my good moments where I managed to find that inner strength and save match points and win big tournaments. But I lost so many finals in Grand Slams. I, I, I lost a lot of matches where 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 it went down uh, down the wire, uh, where it was decided in the in, in in one shot, one moment. I made double faults in important moments. I, I missed easy shots in important moments. I failed myself in important moments. <laughs> and, and that's something that, that I feel people need to talk a little bit more about, you know, in sports. Because is... people have this perception of an athlete being, you know, almighty, you know, demigod, being able to, to achieve everything. It's absolutely false. It's not true. We have to, we, we lose so much. I mean, Michael Jordan uh, or, or Kobe Bryant or these all-time greats in, in, in different sports have, you know, that have achieved so much. I mean, you know, I was listening to Kobe because I was, and, and we know, I know you wanted to speak about Kobe and, you know, we, you know, tomorrow is, is, um, is, is anniversary uh, and it's, it's incredible that one year has passed already. And I was fortunate to be close to him and he was, you know, one of one of my mentors and people that I could rely on. And and when I was down and several times in, in, in my career, when I felt like I needed a little bit of an uplift and from someone that is maybe not even from my sport, but someone that understands what I'm going through emotionally, I gave him a call, he was always there for me. And he was talking about that. You know, he was he was openly um expressing that that the, the Failure is part of the success. That failure is a journey, you know, and it's it, it's not end of the world, and it's not you cannot expect yourself to be flawless because yeah. you know if you see a failure as a learning experience and not as a failure, then you are already winning, yeah. right? Yeah. And I heard this quote the other day uh, from a, a, a wise man: um, "There is no failure for committed people." <laughs> right. If you are committed, you know, you you're committed failed. before you failed, quote unquote, and after you failed. So there's no failure 
there for you because you move on. You turn the next page. You know, you're writing the story of your life. You are your authentic self. And this is another thing that you reflected on that in the beginning of the conversation, comparison, right? I'm comparing myself to myself from 15 years ago and compare. We lose ourselves in these comparisons, you know, so many times we're like, we just lose our brains. Like, I mean, you know, I, I stopped comparing myself about five years ago. I don't want to compare myself to Feather, to Nadal, to myself from 15 years, to anybody. I don't want to compare myself. I, I am writing my own authentic story of life because I can only, I'm the only one that knows myself inside out 100% more than anybody else. So I know what I want to achieve, what I want to do in life, who I want to be. So I try to live to those standards and, and, and accept whatever life has in place for me. Because uh, I, I believe in life, because I believe that life and God and universe has something um, already pre-organized for us. And we live that. And I, and I have I have faith in that. You know what I mean? I, I don't I, I, you I truly believe to... that you, you. Yeah, you, you truly embody that to the to the bone. It's not just verbal, you know, talk that you tell yourself. You actually viscerally experience life through that lens where you're writing, you know you're times, writing your Shereen, own script. You know how, do you know how many times I go back after a, a training session pissed off and I, you know, I, with my wife and I'm like, I'm there like bursting in, in anger and like, just like discontent with myself, with my, with my coaching stuff, with the whole world. It happens today, still happens. <laughs> and I'm okay with that, you know? Yeah, I'm okay. You're human. And you know what? Because in the end of the day, this is this is me. Yeah. It's me. And and I, I'm fine and I love myself for you know for all the good and bad things that I have. Bad things again, what are bad things? It's all relative. But right. you know, I, I embrace all the things that I that I go through because I know that that's going to uh help me shape myself into a better person and a better person and a better human being and better tennis player and better husband, better father, friend, you know, every single day. And, and that's going to be a process, uh, eternal process, an ongoing process in this life, next life, or God knows where <laughs> many lives. <laughs> Any, anyone who says they know, no are full of shit. And, and your perceptions, your reality, and you're obviously, you have your perceived thoughts and your experience and you're writing your own script. There's a reason why you've gotten to where you've gotten to. This is not random. Nothing in this life is random. Statistics are showing that there is improbable cause for so many things. What you're doing right now is not by accident. This is some form of destiny and you've chosen to step into that power and walk that. There's a quote, I'm trying to remember what Kobe said. I, I think he said the, the only shots you truly miss are the ones that you don't take. That you don't take. Exactly. Right. Right. Okay. So that is so freaking powerful. So anyone listening to, it, I don't care if you're an athlete, I don't care if you're, you know, the, the, the best teacher of all time, you're the best real estate agent, you're the best, whatever. Just think about that for a second. Th th this is the best in the sport. Right. We're talking to Novak Djokovic and we just brought up Kobe Bryant, who was my childhood idol growing up, someone that I had so much reverence for, someone that I was 
looking forward to working with and you know creating with there's so much stuff that was going on between some of our mutual friends over at the um at the mamba academy over in uh, northern la and what i took from kobe was that mental strength that mamba mentality and that ability to be vulnerable he had that ability to be vulnerable and you saw it and it's interesting he was a completely different um player and human throughout the evolution of his career you could see how he changed every two three years was a different cycle in his lifespan and by the time the, the end of his career he was so so open about it it was just he, he loved being so real about his faults and his and, and everything and I see that same vibration from you. And it's interesting to, to also know that he was a mentor of yours and it's, we're, we're heading into the one year anniversary. I'll never forget the day. Um, I was at the gym and I found out that I, I couldn't, I couldn't even comprehend that this was real life. And, uh, to hear later that his daughter was on there and, and all the, about all the people, it was really, um, one of those moments that you never forget. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really just at a point right now where I really feel that, you know, we, we come into this world and we imprint into this world. We live, we, we leave our mark and tell a story. And that story is the story we choose to live and the, and the story we choose to embody. And so I, I, I appreciate everything that you're doing. You know, it's sometimes this stuff, it's, it's not stuff that the media, can actually articulate um, because it's not part of, you know, the standard operating procedures of mainstream media to tell these types of stories and to have these types of conversations. But I also believe that there is a shift in consciousness happening. There is a paradigm change happening. We are in the center of it. Brother, you and I have been working together for the last three, four years, and there's an evolution happening around us. We can see it Humanity is evolving. Um, you know, all of the stuff that was taboo is starting to, to to change. We're able to talk about emotions. We're able to talk about pain and suffering. We're able to talk about things that weren't, you know, something that weren't accepted. And 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 now is is the time to do that. And I, I encourage you to to keep going and staying in your, I like to say your true north. You know, which is your passion because. That's ultimately what's going to get you to keep going the direction that you're going and to approach where you're trying to go. And I'd like to transition that directly into, um, you know, your legacy in the sport. And I know that your legacy is so much bigger outside the sport. That's what that's the main thing I tell people when everyone comes to me and wants to know something about you um, that's tennis related. I don't even talk about tennis with them because it's just not even in the it's not even close to what I can offer them when it comes to your soul. And when it comes to you as, as a, as a brother of mine and what we've gone through, like the tragedies that we've gone through in just a short period of time, it was definitely some type of karma that brought us together. You are, you are right now sitting at number one in the world and you're about to break the all time record. I believe sometime in March or April, of holding that position as world number one. And that's, they, they count that with um, how many weeks you're in that position. And then you're also, um, I believe you're a few grand slams um, below the, the front runner right now, which I believe is Roger Federer. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where, how do these things motivate you? And I don't think you have to be scared of saying, 
you know, shit, I want to, I want to, I want those. I want that. I don't think, I, I, I think it's absurd to, to feel anything different. Kobe would say, I want more championships than Michael Jordan. I went to yeah. Kobe's ceremony and Jordan did say that. I was there when Jordan said it in that, in that speech. It was a very, very moving speech. Kobe wanted to be better than Jordan. He had that fire. There was nothing wrong with that. That's Mamba mentality. Where are you right now looking at exactly where you stand today in your position in tennis? Well, exactly what you said. I mean, I I won that. <laughs> I won that, and I, I, I've said it. Um, I said it before, and I said it again. I mean, um, this is my um, professional motivation. I mean, I, I do, and we talked about goals and being balanced with that, with the passion and love for the sport, which I think it has to be balanced because if it's only one or only other, then it's it's I, I don't feel it's good, and you you know you might you might not be in that flow state where you maximize your potential and your skills, but if you balance the two, meaning your intrinsic love and passion for the game the reason why you started to play tennis, the reason I love the, 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 the bare uh, um, fact of holding a tennis racket in my hands and playing with my son, with my friends, my brothers. With I just love doing, I just love playing tennis. For me, it has been always the love. And then if you're a professional competitor, you need to have the goals. You need to have, you need to strive to something. You need to have the mental clarity. You need to work towards something and you need to set up daily goals, short-term goals, long-term goal. What's the long-term goal? For me, long-term goal, uh, the two biggest long-term goals were win the most slams. Okay, before, before I achieved my dream, which was until I was, uh, uh, until the 2011 was win Wimbledon and be the number one of the world. I achieved that. So I, gotta, I, I had to set up new goals, right? So what are the new goals? Win as many slams, as most slams as possible in the history of tennis, and be the longest, you know, number one in the history of sport. So I'm very close to achieve one of the two, uh, and and the other one as well. So I'm I'm 17 slams below Nadal and Federer that are 20. You know, they're still playing, they're still winning slams. These guys are incredible, but you know, I still keep on going, and it's fine. If I don't achieve that, it's still okay. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta have that that drive. And, and that goal, and I have absolutely no problem to verbalize that because it's, it's what we do. So whoever is not it is at the top of the game and is not really saying that, I, I, <laughs> I don't really believe that, yeah. it's that, that, that you know, he's, he or she is really fully honest. But it doesn't matter. I mean, everyone is different, obviously. But, uh, have have, I, those, I am, guys, have yeah. those guys made you better? Has Federer absolutely. and Nadal, have they they've called you higher? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100, 100%. Both of these guys uh, have, you know, they have been my biggest rivals. Uh, Nadal and I have played against each other more than any other two tennis players that played against each other in the history of sport. We played, I think, 50, uh, was 55 times or maybe more. I, I'm not really sure exactly. I mean, it's so many times I've played with Roger also almost 50 times. Um, I mean, I, I, I felt there was a rivalry, like, and this intensity in the rivalry from the very beginning, like from 15 years ago, it's been 15 years that we've been pushing each other to the limit. 
and 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 making each other better and 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 I think this the rivalries are so good for the sport. I mean, this is also the rivalries are probably one of the biggest reasons why the sport draws so much attention from the from the sport fans, right? You know, uh, the, the Fraser Ali, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know Kobe Kobe Shaq or whatever, and <laughs> you know Messi Ronaldo, Mike Tyson and and, and nobody. <laughs> Tyson and Holyfield, yeah, yeah. And Tyson and Lewis, Tyson just right? destroying so, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so 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 th- those those types of rivalries are, are are important not just for this for the sake of the sport and popularity of the sport, but also for us. Yeah, as 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 athletes, we we need the the rivalries because we need to, um, we we need to also measure ourselves in a way, you know, to like how how am I doing. You know, and 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 how how my biggest my biggest rival is doing. I mean, if he's if he's you know doing great, that actually inspires me. Yeah. That that like that gives me motivation. I mean, at times like when I started playing, Roger already had multiple slams, Rafa as well. You know, and and they were kicking my ass for the like first five years. I mean, I I wasn't. <laughs> I was losing most of my matches against them, especially the big ones. I mean, uh, and then and then that 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 changed, and obviously we went toe to toe, and still going toe to toe after so many years. And then uh, I want these guys to keep on playing because they are one of the the greatest sources of my motivation, without a doubt. This is exciting times for you. Um, you know, we are getting back into the swing of tennis. So right now. Uh, you are in Australia, and you're prepping for a minor tournament. Is that what's happening? And then you have the Australian Open. Well, I am a, actually. It's not. It's not a minor tournament. It's a uh, second biggest uh, team competition that we have. Well, second biggest. It is arguably the biggest team competition we have in sport. Uh, it's called ATP Cup. So we play for our our countries. So I play for Serbia with um, my compatriots, a couple of other guys, and we there's 12 teams, um, four groups by three teams. The winners of the groups go to semifinals. So the inaugural ATP Cup was last year, and we we won it. We were Serbia won it against Spain in the finals, and uh, and this year we're playing again, and we're starting on uh, next week, next Tuesday, uh, and, and uh, the, the ATP Cup is going to be played on the same courts as the Australian Open. And then the Australian Open starts right after that. Australian Open being one of the four Grand Slams, one of the four majors of our sport, four most important tournaments that we have in tennis. And you've dominated the Australian Open over the last seven, eight years, I believe. Do you do you feel every time you go there, every time you operate, do you feel you feel really comfortable in that ecosystem? Do you feel something about that southern hemisphere? What yeah. what is it about the Australian Open that really brings out your best? Well, it's a good question. It's it's not, there's not one thing. It's it's few things. First of all, I, I um, as as well any other tennis player uh, starting his season here in Australia, I feel I feel pumped. You know, I feel my you know we feel recharged after off season. It's like this is where I want to start off well. I want to kickstart my season, my year in the best possible way. So that's one of the things. Like, and then the other one is obviously the the, the conditions here are quite suitable. Uh, the hard courts, hard courts have been, you know, probably my most successful, most preferred surface in my career, next to next to grass courts. 
and uh, and and I've <clears throat> I've done so well in Australia over the years, and and each year coming back, knowing that I have such a great record here, is is even more comforting, or it brings me even more confidence. So it brings me to the level of 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 you know of confidence and state of mind where I'm like, okay, this is my terrain. This is this is this is my court. This is you know, this is where I rule. This is where I feel my best. And, and then, and you know, that, that, that kind of a mindset, obviously I have, you know, respect for, for everyone. I don't, I don't disrespect anybody, but I have that sense of confidence inside of me when I step on a court and more than any other court, probably on the planet, the center court of Australian open, um, um, like just exerts that that kind of you know motivation and strength for me yeah i i love that i think there's nothing disrespectful for that you're playing in a tough 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 competition and to just and to have the backing of of domination you know you got to embody that you got to take that in there it'd be almost a travesty to think anything different you know i wanted to go down so many avenues of health and wellness and detailed nutrition and rejuvenation and recovery and all those things but based on the amount of time that we've already done because we focus so much on the mental um, approach and the spiritual yeah. approach which was incredible i think the next one we do we really talk about some of the details on how we approach the physical and how we reapproach re re rejuvenation and recovery I agree. and nutrition and all those things. And anti-inflammatory baby. Anti-inflammatory. Look at those cherries right there, right? Cherries packed with antioxidants. Uh, this else? is, um, uh, this is a wild apple cider vinegar. Yes. Amazing for, uh, for, uh, any inflammatory processes, you know, topically, but also internally. I have this, I showed it to you, uh, now we are on air. This is a little blister I got there. So I just put some uh, cider vinegar on it. I'm going full on nature, baby. I love, relying on the plants. I love it. The plants are speaking to us always. I'm actually <laughs> holding my adrenal formula. Did you receive this yet? I have not received that. I'm 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 waiting. Oh my I'm waiting god. Waiting for it. The, this this by far this is the first of its kind. I can't wait till you get it. You know we've been working on trying to just create the best in terms of formulation, in terms of raw materials, in terms of doing things the right way. And I think you can speak on it as we, as we kind of, you know, draw to the end. If what you put in your body doesn't affect you, I don't know what does. Right. And we are, our, our bodies are our temples. We're constantly replicating and recreating and rejuvenating. And if you're feeding it the highest level of alchemy, you're going to get a better response. And that goes with everything that goes in, in, into your body, obviously mentally and emotionally and all that too. So what I've been trying to focus with you over the last several years, and you already had a strong background in understanding these things with your commitment uh, to nutrition is just really taking things to the next level. And that's the most exciting part for me is be able to work with top athletes in the world. I am currently working with, I think three, three world number ones and it's such an honor to be in this position i i just want to tell you thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and um i'm so excited for what this year has to bring last year was our reset year where we had to kind of chill out and just kind of go in this year i feel it's uh it's time to set it off and light shit on fire 
Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> let's 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 go hey, all the you're way. You're not the only one with the guns anymore, buddy. Here we go. Here we go. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. Look at that strength. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff me and uh, Novak love to do. If you if you're just listening, you're not seeing the the video. We're just basically staring at each other, flexing at each other, and uh, that's kind of the the banter. Me Very and, masculine me. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I I think I think that's really the best way to wrap up is have fun, experience absolutely every moment. I think every time I talk to you and every time we're in each other's company, I think we're laughing maybe 90% of the time, right? Yeah. Like you his... have very contagious laugh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Laughter is contagious for a reason because it's yeah. a frequency, right? Just like for light sure. is a frequency, right? Because light transmits sight so we can see each other and feel each other. And so does audio as well. But the energy of love, the energy of happiness, all of that attracts the same vibration back. And I think that's where we should be operating from. And I really understand how the, how these systems work. So again, Novak, I love you, brother. I appreciate you. I honor you. I honor everything that um, you brought forth on this conversation. I think everyone was going to be really, really excited to hear this and to you know, upload this into their system. This is something that I think everyone should listen to two or three times. Usually I'm the one that's being interviewed and I'm the one that's going deep into these insights, but I just sat back and let you go into full flow. And keep in mind, English is not his first language. I really want you guys to, <laughs> to understand that. I'm not making fun of you, but I'm, I'm making a point. Like English is know, not know, your first language. And, and that is spectacular. Your level of English, and you speak other languages as well. You speak Spanish and Italian, and obviously your native tongue of Ser Serbia. But this is, a, 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 you, you really brought it. And I'm not trying to speak to your ego, but I'm trying to speak to your soul. I'm really, really proud of you, brother. Brother, thank you so much. Much love. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a great pleasure to, to be here with you. Uh, to be your guest, but at the same time, I feel like I'm part of this, what you're doing, you know, has been part of your movement for the last couple of years. And uh, big hug to Jamie, to Shahab, to everybody in the, in the, in the team Symbiotica. Love you guys and uh, hope, hope we can speak again. Aho, brother. Inwards, onwards, and upwards, all in. This has been Wake the Fake Up because we're waking that fake frequency up. Just think about what's fake in your life. Look yourself in the mirror. All in family, thank you so much. Thank you. Gratitude family for tuning in today and deep reverence to you all for dedicating your time to seeking knowledge and truth. This is what it's all about. You can find more of my podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. You can also find this on my website at wakethefakeup.com. Life is all about momentum. Please leave a review so I can hear your experiences and share with your friends, family, and anyone who needs to hear this message. This is a revolution of consciousness. This is just the beginning. I am all in. I'll be back next week for another epic conversation. Stay tuned, family. Big love.